0: <laughs> so this morning, you guys, we have a uh, a very special treat. A good friend of mine, lifelong friend, uh, is here to share with us this morning he's actually visiting he's a native Rhode Islander, but he's been the past few years he's actually been in Virginia uh, working studying um, Paul Moran is here to share with us this morning uh, Paul, his primary role is he serves as the director of a nonprofit missions organization called taken back and Most of their work the thrust of the work has been in the in this nation of El Salvador Working with um, underprivileged kids and communities Working doing mentorships with these young people as well as what they call love initiatives These love initiatives are what they do is they go and they find These communities that are are way out in the middle of the sticks nowhere some of them have no fresh water they have um, they they scrape by on on pennies a day to scrounge together food. These communities are very close knit because they have to rely on one another to even survive. And so, what Take It Back has gone and they've gone in and they've, they've provided livestock and training to these communities as how to even keep these livestock. So now they can help them to to live. They've done some some amazing work in recent years, and um, it's a privilege to have you sharing with us today, Paulie. Yeah, so are you welcome and with me? Thank you so much. <laughs> hey guys.
1: Good morning. Good morning Thank you. Um, there's a lot of feedback on this. Uh, thank you guys. I'm happy to be here this morning. I uh, flew in last night got in at around 1 a.m didn't get to bed about 2:30 but uh, I'm really excited to be here. How many of you guys love planes? you guys like flying? You guys are flyers I have a love-dislike relationship with planes. It depends on the day. And yesterday, there was a ton of turbulence. Didn't matter where we were. It felt like uh, that the wind was pushing us into Providence. And I've gotten to a point where when I'm sitting by the window, there's always a lot of pressure by the window when a plane begins to have turbulence. And I'm going to tell you why. The reason why is because the people next to you begin to look at you for answers on what's going on outside of the window. You have absolutely no clue what's going on outside the window. All I know, essentially, is that we still are flying, that at least I see one wing on, and that we're in good shape, we're in good shape. So it becomes this thing where it's not that I'm worried about turbulence, I'm worried about what to say to the people next to me. And so uh, it was a great night when we landed and I was able to get to bed, but I'm excited to be here today. Um, I want to talk to you guys a little bit um, about uh, what Jesus does when he teaches his disciples on what it looks like to live a life of humility. I want to talk to you guys about status. So I'm going to pray really quick, and then we'll just, we'll jump in. So, Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you, God, for giving us a time to be able to spend with you. Lord, I just truly believe that this is your uh, living, breathing word, that it's active and it's alive and it's for today, that, Father, this isn't something of just a historical book for us to go back to and look at and say, man, that's the way it was then. It's still active for today, Father. It's still up for ours to use. So I ask, Lord, that you will clear my mind, clear my heart, clear those around uh, me today, God, and give them a word from you, Lord. Whatever is of you, Lord, may it pierce their heart, may it be tattooed over their soul. Lord, whatever is not of you for them today, Lord, may it be forgotten. In the name of Jesus, amen. absolutely one of the top things, I think, why I believe social media exists. And I don't believe, and I want to make this clear, that status or influence is a negative thing. I want to make that clear. It's not a negative thing. I don't believe if you have influence... Where you have the ability to have some kind of... Social media is one of those things where you're scrolling through, you're looking, you're seeing who's doing what. Uh, how many of you guys are Patriots fans? You guys are big Patriots fans? I love to look at what's happening now that we had a really rough game, and I'm looking at what our team is doing, right? What we're doing, who we're trading, what we're moving, you know, and, and all of that comes down to the best of the best. We want the best of the best. We're looking at those around us and looking at the the appearance of them and looking to figure out if that's what we're looking for in a team. Status is everything to the world around us. We'll fight for it. We'll deceive for it. It's one of those things that sometimes can get so much into our hearts that we'll climb and do things that we normally wouldn't do just to be the greatest. And it was no different for Jesus' disciples. In Luke 9 they argue they argue about who's the greatest jesus looks at looks at them and brings over a child and he has a child next to him and he says look if you accept this child you accept me if you accept me you accept my father and then he leaves them with this whoever is the least among you is the greatest you would think in luke 9 they would catch it but then in luke 22 last supper they're still arguing over who's the greatest. Jesus begins to explain to them about that there's a betrayal that's about to take place. They begin to whisper, who did it? Who who do you think it was? Then they start arguing about, man, it's definitely not me. I'm the greatest. Jesus again goes back to this. The greatest equals low rank. He says, the leader equals servant. He begins to create a new standard and He even decides in this moment in time to call Himself even myself, I'm a servant. Let's threw them completely off. And, and in Luke 22, it's the Last Supper, and in John 13 is where we're going to spend a lot of our time. you familiar with this story? This is when Jesus decides to wash His disciples' feet. Jesus decides, after listening to the bickering of who's the greatest, who's the best, He begins to get up, and He begins to respond by action. And this is what's cool about this particular parable, it's not just some uh, story of, uh, of, um, he, uh, of just what ifs. You know, people sit there sometimes with Jesus' parables and they were constantly confused. Jesus actually gets up and lives out this parable. And he says this, in, and we're going to go into John 13 verse 4 through 5. He says, so he got up from the table, took off his robe and wrapped the towel around his waist and poured out, into, uh, poured out water into a basin jar, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. So already, he sets a tone. Drop my mic. Story of my life. Already, he sets a tone. And this is the tone that he sets. He gets up, he takes out his outer outer garment, which was one of the lowest things to do. Let me explain this to you. Culturally, washing feet was so low that if you were a Jewish servant, you wouldn't have that task. It was for the lowest of low. That's how it was. That's how it was. It was for the, those who were non-Jewish and most of the time those who in the time of women or children would wash the feet of those who were coming in. Jesus gets up, takes off His outer garment, grabs a towel, ties around His waist, and begins to wash people's feet. He sets the tone for something new. It's interesting because Jesus already goes from eternal glory down to humanity, from humanity now from being a a master, a leader, again to a servant. He just continues this flow of showing people something here. Catch it. From eternal glory to humanity, from being a master now to a servant. His disciples were so blown away by this, they couldn't understand this. And so Jesus begins to wash their feet. I believe He probably went to John because it says through Scripture, John is very much uh, into himself. <laughs> he explains that he's the best of the disciples, that he was Jesus' loved one. And, and I'm guessing He starts with John and works His way to Peter. And then begins to have this discussion with Peter. And Peter says, Lord, You're not washing my feet. This is not something I want you to do. Again, I don't think Peter was catching the fact that this was a representation of the cross and what Christ was about to do. The only thing Peter was doing here was again saying like, custom-wise, culture-wise, this is below you, Jesus. What are you thinking? And Jesus looks at him and says, look, if I don't wash your feet, you're, you and I are not going to be able to spend eternity together essentially. He says, you're not getting this. We're not going to be able to walk with one another. And so Peter, with zeal, is like, fine, wash my hands and and wash my head. And he looks at Peter. He's like, I wonder if he's like, slow down. (laughs) Peter, because I feel like Peter was always the one that was going in. And he says, Peter, look, you already are walking with me. You don't need to be bathed all over again. I believe he was looking and trying to get Peter to understand something that Peter does eventually understand, but not in that moment. So he continues. Chapter uh, 13, we're going to go from 12 to to 17. He begins to explain afterwards what he was doing. So he washes their feet, he sits back down, he says this, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord. You are right because that's, why I, that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Hmm. The humility of washing the, His disciples' feet was the representation of the cross and the driven, daunting love of the Father. That is what was happening. He says, guys, I've given you an example and I want you to follow this. This is a self-denial, a self-sacrifice for the sake of, of being a servant to others. This was the tone Jesus was wanting to leave His disciples with as a model to follow. This was His last supper with Him. If you knew that your time was coming and you were sitting with your children or you were sitting with your loved ones, how would you want to leave this earth? How would you want to leave? What, what would you want your status to be? For Christ, it was simple. It was humility and serving in love. You can't, be, you can't live in humility. You can't serve people if you don't love first. It's impossible. Jesus' tone that was set was for us to model Lower yourselves, avoid the trap of pride by taking the lower role. And here's what's mind-blowing. The disciples were so wrapped up in their own position of power, they were blinded to the fact that humility is the pathway to honor. We get so wrapped up in who we want to be and the authority and place we want to be in that we lose sight that humility is the pathway to honor. Lower yourself, see God move. Move yourself up high, watch humility take your life in a way you don't want it to be. Christian zeal. I love, you know, we, uh, so Lisa and I go to Liberty University. And Convocation is pretty hyped, right? They have these light, I mean, there's thousands of us in this place. We are going after it. We're excited. They have every, they make it just one of the most wild times of the week. It, convocation is pretty much uh, campus church. They, can, they call it Convocation. Um, but essentially, we get crazy speakers that come in and out. We get amazing worship leaders that will come in and out. And we get so pumped and so excited. And it, We're full of zeal. We're full of passion when we're in there. It's just the reality of it. Um, but as I began to realize, I realized this one thing. Christian zeal without transparency of humility is, a, is hollow, and it leads to living out a counterfeit gospel. So check this out that's great to be full of energy and exciting and have passion and go after it but if you're living that out with absolutely no love and humility driven by that it's hollow and it's a counterfeit gospel at the end of the day that means it's just lights loud music and a fun atmosphere so when we are in a place like this where there's an acoustic guitar playing and somebody's singing on the stage by herself Sulai, who I love, who's like a sister, and somebody playing bass, and there's not lights and a a smashing of cymbals at times, we can become cynical. We can begin to let that drive us on how we want it to sound and how we want it to be, or they're not playing the song we want, or that was a hymnal that I haven't heard since I was a kid, but I love it. And uh, I kept thinking about Pastor Mike, he loved that song. But, uh, you know, like we begin to thrive off of these, again, these statuses. We think status is what's going to launch us forward as individuals. Power and wealth, success, athleticism. At the end of the day, it's just counterfeit if it's not surrounded by the love of God. It's not surrounded by the love of God. Philippians 2 is one of the best examples. A lot of scholars will tie in John 13 and Philippians 2 as an example of Christ. And it says this. It actually says in Philippians 2's title, Christ's Example of Humility. So, if there is of any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who thought he was in the form of God, although he was in the form of God, and did not, but did not count it equal with God's thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in the human form of hum- by humbling himself and being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed him. And I love this highly exalted Him and bestowed Him on the name that is above every name so that in the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in the heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and the glory to the Father. It's an example He set. I know that was long-winded. What did He just say? I think I heard Him say Jesus and then glory to God. But what, what, what Scripture is saying is simple here. Humble yourselves, follow after the Lord serve one another, be like one minded. This is the example Christ showed. If God can come down as man and humble Himself away from His Father and serve as a Master, then we alter example and live out the same thing. If we are telling ourselves that we are above something that Jesus is doing, there's something wrong in our spirit. There's something wrong in our spirit. I love that. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That is something that will stretch you in itself. That's being selfless. That's inconveniencing yourself. You ever have that test in your life? Like that person that God's calling you to like love and serve with? And... <laughs> And every part of you is like, Lloyd, no, please, not that individual. I'll see them, you know, it's like you give yourself like this thing, especially if they're in church, you're like, see you next Sunday, maybe, you know, if I can figure out a way to avoid you. Because we begin to do things that are all about ourselves, but when Christ has called us to love, you know what's interesting about washing this disciple's feet? He did not leave out Judas. Isn't that interesting? The very man that he was talking to about about to betray him, yet he still washed the feet of Judas. Still washed the feet of Jesus. I mean Judas. So if Jesus shows this powerful example of washing the feet of Judas, then he ought to be able to sit and serve under individuals that may not be our first choice of wanting to hang out with. And you know what? And while we're in that, may we have a spirit of unity and a spirit of joy. And may we ask the Father to test our hearts and teach us to love one another in a reckless love like He showed us. See, that's how churches grow. Churches don't grow by bigger buildings and nicer equipment. And I know Look, in, 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 in the coolest apps, and I think Lisa and I have seen it all in the South, everything under the sun, they have like coffee. They even have somebody at the door that will give you a piggyback ride right to your seat. But even then, I'm only kidding. We don't have that in the South. But we, <laughs> they're like, oh my gosh, we need to step it up here. But no, at the, at the end of the day, it's not that that will sustain a church. It's not that that will bring people in here. It's them knowing that they're loved when a world around them rejects them. It's them knowing that they are cared about in a place where they consistently feel worried. Should I look like this? Or modeling themselves after people because they're trying to be accepted. The world around us is hungry. And God has given us the bread of life and living water to serve them. But yet we want to elevate ourselves above others for our own gain. And we wonder why churches are dying. We wonder why churches are dying. So then Jesus, uh, we, we go down, right? He, he, Judas runs, addresses Judas. Jesus closes out um, chapter 13 with this. Verse 31 and 34. Hmm. He says this, he says, um, So now I'm giving you a new commandment love each other just as I have loved you and you should love each other your love for one another will provide the world that you will pr- prove to the world that you are my disciples so now i give you a new commandment love each other just as i have loved you and you should love each other your love for one another will prov- prove to the world that you are my disciples This was not a new commandment. <laughs> the already talk, the Deuteronomy talked about this. Mark chapter twenty-two talks about this. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Right. And what is the? It's in. In I love NLT's version. It says, and just as equally as important, love your. your neighbor. Just as equally as important, love your neighbor. No, this wasn't a new commandment, but this is what it was. Christ was saying, instead of being known for your position, especially in Jewish culture, for your wealth, your stance, your robes, your garments, your success, I'm giving you something new to be known for, and it's called love. It's called love. That's what Christ was telling them. Jesus didn't let evil come against Him when He showed His disciples love. Jesus didn't let selfish inconvenience come against Him when showing His disciples love. His love hmm, transcended barriers of class. That was the point of taking off the garment. For you guys, I think sometimes Western culture, it's like, okay, we get he took off his garment. I, don't, I was trying to think in the car, like, Lord, how do I describe how, like, awkward this was for his disciples? And I guess the closest I can get to is, like, like taking off every part of you besides, like, your, your wife beater and your underwear on. You begin to wash somebody else's feet. You would be like, Ooh, look, what are you doing? It's <laughs> The best way I could describe it. It was pretty low. It was, pretty, it was, it was a low place to be. So now I'm going to show, Eddie, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I'm But it's a low place to be. But it's, I want you guys to understand that what Christ was doing was He's saying, how can I get my disciples to see past them own selves? That's easy. I'm going to do it myself. How many of our times spent time saying, I wish so-and-so loved better. And so-and-so's always gossiping. Blah, 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 blah. We begin to like point out everybody else's stuff instead of living it out and hoping that the Holy Spirit will catch them and they'll see what it's like to do that. We're really good at telling people what they can do better at. (laughs) We're not so good at telling ourselves what we can do better at. These messages at times can be uncomfortable for people. It can give us the sense of uncomfortability. Uh, That's what I love about the Gospel. The Gospel is offensive and it's liberating all at the same time. It offends the heart and sets us free. Jesus was displaying the gospel. I want to end with this. Second, uh, 1 Cor- Corinthians 12, um, towards the end, Paul closes with this. Now, you are the body of Christ and the individual members of it, and God has placed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next mi- uh, Miracles then gifts of healing helping managing um, helping managing various kinds of languages are all apostles are all prophets are all teachers do all do miracles do all speaks in, uh, do all have gifts of healing do all speak in other languages do all interpret check this out this very last part right here this is remember, chapter 12 that very end but desire the greatest gifts but desire the greatest gifts and I will show you an even better way anybody know what comes next after chapter 12 my goodness it's the love scripture that everybody reads at weddings everybody but it doesn't just apply to marriage so then so paul says look i'll show you even desire those go after that but i'll even show you a better way and then he hits it with this if i speak in human angelic languages But do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and I know all knowledge and I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I I donate all my goods and feed the poor and if I have my body in order to boast, and if I give my body in order to boast, but do not love, I gain nothing." Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not conceited, does not act improperly, it is not selfish, it is not provoked, it does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Love never ends. The end of the day, guys, we have a choice to make as followers who how do we want to be known by our love by our love there we go by our love that's the reality of it my challenge for the for you guys is really simple as a body right cuz the church is not the building the church is you guys remember that just always keep that in mind that when you're in the grocery store when you're pumping gas When you're interacting with people who you don't know, remember that you are an example of what the church is. So my question for you guys is this. How would you want Middletown to know this church at Graceway? It's really simple. It's it's so easy here. Guys, what would you like Graceway to be known for? My hope is love. My hope is that this will be a well for the broken to come to, for the rejected, for those who feel like nobody else wants them in the church. My hope for this place will be a place where freedom takes place for those who have been held captive over things in their lives that God has already set them free from. My hope for this church is not simply growth, because numbers don't mean that there is a health happening. But if we're going to grow, may it be it for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the kingdom's sake. You understand what I'm saying? Love is what I believe Graceway can and should be known for. and may it pour out into the other churches around you. May it pour out into the other communities around you. So, I don't know how long I was, Eduardo, but well, pretty good. I was under what you were. Uh, I hear he goes long. <laughs> uh, I want to end with this. Some of you guys may be wrestling with this, like, okay, yep, great. I understand this. Live in humility. Serve one another. Love one another. I get it. It's just not that easy. It's just not that easy. And often this is what I realized. The new, one of the other things that uh, one of the scholars I read that pointed out that I love so much was that the new covenant that God placed in front of us was also a representation of the Father's love to the Son. It was a relational thing happening. So some of you guys are struggling with this. I truly believe it's because some of you guys may be also struggling with the understanding of how much the Father loves you. If you first don't understand the Father's love in your own life, you're never going to be able to live out the truth of love. I think we have this distortion in our world on two ends. We have the extreme of the God of grace and you can do nothing wrong. You can live however you want to live. Then I think we have this other side of the pendulum where it's the God who's waiting for you to mess up, waiting to smite you, waiting to tell you how awful you were. And none of that is true. He's the God of love. So much so, he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins. To take our place. Don't leave here today without truly understanding the Father's love. If you're struggling with it within your heart, if you're wrestling with it within your heart, find somebody. Pray with somebody. The Father loves to reveal good gifts to the, His children. I think we forget that. When I, I'm not talking about prosperity gospel here. Do we realize that our Father wants to reveal good gifts to us as His children? Like He wants to show us how amazing we are in in His eyes, how He delights in us, how He rejoices over us, that the point, if we're arrogant enough to say that our sin is stronger than the cross, then we have a problem here. Because the cross is what took care of it. It's the power of what Christ did. So Father, I just pray this simple prayer. Lord, teach them how to first love You and how much You love them so that they can love others. Lord, may they live in a place of humility. Lord, may, may they live in a place of, of servanthood for one another. Father, I truly ask that, Lord, in a world that is desperate for acceptance, desperate for truth, desperate for for a place of uh, comfort, searching for identity. Lord, may you use these people in this church to point them back to you, Father. May they be a living and active example as you you were to your disciples. Lord, let us love and let that be the foundation to teach us how to live with humility and teach us how to serve one another. Lord, let, not, don't let this simple message pass us, God, because there's power in this truth. We thank you, Father. We believe by faith that greater is ahead. In the name
0: of Jesus, Amen. Thank you, Paulie. Um, before we do close, I, I want to take a minute to just digest, digest that with you. Give place for that to to kind of settle into our spirits. So I want to take I want to take about sixty seconds of silence to just let that let that settle. And um, here's some things that have been prayed over and spoken over this church, that this place would become a place that is like literally like a, a beacon of light that is, that is beaming light out of this place that from anywhere throughout Aquinic Island, you can look and you can see that light shining. It's like a call to those who are in need. All they need to do is open the eyes and it's there beckoning them in. These, these are the things that have been spoken over this place. And in order for, for that to come to fruition, which it is, it starts here in each one of us. We don't talk about Graceway Community Church as if it's this entity aside and apart from us because this is us. We are Graceway. We are his. And so he has to take that place of of highest priority, take that place of precedence in our lives, the light of his love, the power of his love beaming out of us. So let's just take about 60 seconds here to just meditate on that the love and the power mixed with the humility. How does that work together? The humility of Christ, the love of Christ. Father, I pray for a new challenge today. Father, I pray for the one in this, in this gathering who is, who is the newest, newest to the faith, to the one who is the most seasoned follower of Christ in this place. I ask for a new challenge from you are revealing yourself in a deeper way, in a new way. I see that our, our, our relationship with you and our understanding of you is, is, like, is like digging in. There's always more to go. We never reach that rock bottom because you're so far beyond and high above, and yet you come to meet us in the most intimate place. So God, today, challenge us. Wherever our foot is today, whatever our starting point is, bring us to the next place with you. That just as Paulie said, we would come to understand your love for us in a greater way so that we can show it and share it in a greater way. God, we're not content with where we are today because we want more. We want to know you more, and we want to make you more known. So God, start inside of us. Go through us, Father, so that we can truly carry your message and let it shine through us in power. We thank you, Jesus so as we go from this place today family I pray that God's favor would go with you I pray that your eyes would be open to that deeper level of of love that has always been there present in your lives but that that your eyes would be open to see that which has always been there but we haven't quite seen it may you see that and may the love inside of you be shared so that you would love your neighbor just as the Lord loves you God bless you, In Jesus' name, amen.